0: It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo,
1: and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2.
0: U2, they represent a the personification of our resistance.
1: The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future!
0: Viva Sarajevo!
1: Kiss the future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome to the Online Choir Podcast, Jeremy Warner, Joey Wagner. We're back home, uh, back on video for better or worse. I don't know if that's a good thing, but uh, check it out on the YouTube channel if you haven't already. And it is almost August, we're recording this on July 31st. And August means football, at least practicing football, is back in our lives. We just had Big Ten Media Days. We will talk about that. And we got 10 questions entering training camp. Uh, We are ready for fresh quotes. We got some fresh quotes at Big Ten Media Days, Joey. Uh, Feels like we've been counting down for training camp for so long. And uh, August 3rd, uh, here on
0: Thursday, it finally starts. How are you feeling about it? I am ready, like media day was a nice reminder that our work is about to pick up quite a bit, but also that like we there's just gonna be more information, more quotes, more access. Um, I'm excited, man. I, I, you know what, it's, it's weird, Jeremy, to, to quickly tangent. Um, we've, I mean, you've done this for longer than I have, I'm going into my sixth year, I think. I'm not very good at math. Like this is the most excitement. Like there's always a level of like, oh, it's football season. Like, this feels like pretty real excitement beyond just, hey, football's coming back. Because um, that usually peters out by the end of October. Uh, but it, it does feel like there's some legitimate excitement around this program and the direction of it.
1: Yeah, it was usually the diehards that cared about this, the the football mm-hmm. fans. Um, you know, basketball is, is obviously the thing that gets the most traffic here. It's the, it's the thing that you know, gets people most excited because of the history of basketball and their relationship with basketball uh, and the success that they have had, like there's more fretting about Illinois basketball, even though it's a better program right now than football, because you know, they think football or fastball should have those expectations. It's the history. That's, that's the expectation that Brett Underwood has hit, but football, I do believe for the first time, Joey, like we are entering a year where there's excitement about what they're going to be like, not just hope, But, like, actual rational excitement that Illinois football is a good Big Ten football team. And it has been probably since Ron Zook led Illinois into 2008, and the journey was following Illinois. And then they, let's just call it what it is, they crapped the bed with a 5-7 and season. And that's been the, the history of Illinois football and why fans have... Are guarded, and I wrote about it today about um, the sustained success. Like it's it's eluded Illinois for for so long, but this year there's reason to believe because of what Brett Beal was built, how he's built it, what he's built it on, that maybe they can sustain that success and uh, that in the final year of the Big Ten West they can be a player. So I I agree with you. I feel like the engagement from the fan base, the belief of the fan base, is as high as it's been in a long time.
0: It is and. The people in the Smith Center are doing a lot to to drum that up. I wrote about that out of media days because it's something I've wanted to ask Brett Bielema for a while. I'm like, there's confidence. It's real confidence that, that's coming from the program. Brett Bielema will throw some elbows on Twitter if he has to. Uh, his players aren't far behind. Johnny Newton is, is pretty vocal himself, especially if a defensive lineman ranking does not meet his expectations, I guess. And I think that permeates me. I think the fans feel that. And I think when Brett goes on Twitter and does his thing I, I think he's speaking more to his guys in that building and he's trying to get a fan base to follow suit and to share that excitement and that confidence uh because to be honest like this fan base hasn't been given a reason to have a lot of confidence on it's almost october or uh, august 1st like that's just not been the case and I think brett's trying to change like feel like he's changed the building a little bit in the way that they think now he's trying to like Expand that yeah. footprint out to uh, to the fan base. And I think it's working. Now, still a lot of fo- there's football to be played, and they haven't played a game yet. But I-, I do think that that starts in the Smith Center and branches out from there.
1: Yeah. And, and let's be honest, it's just, you know, there's always hope. When, when Lovey Smith gets here, there's hope. And then the North Carolina game happens, and Mitch Trubisky tears you up, and it's just, it, you're, you're not there. And then you make the bowl game, and there was some flukiness to it, and then you follow it up with two and five. And, and Do you anyways? remember
0: the, the conversations before training camp got postponed the first time in 2020? Like, there was legitimate kind of – I remember talking to Sidney Brown on the phone, and, like, there was legitimate, yeah hey, we're good here, and that didn't manifest. So, like, I, that's where I understand if fans are like, hey, we've seen this before. Yeah. I just think you've got to maybe read – so I didn't mean to cut you off. you just got to read what's different there or what feels different.
1: Well, And why, why you kind of started to believe, for me, was just the talent. The the talent was there, and you're starting to see all these young guys who had played for so long um, getting experience and that experience paying off, and, and they won a couple of close games. So you went into that COVID year thinking, this, this team's got a chance. I think I projected them go 5-3 and three that year. The, the schedule wasn't that difficult. But uh, they just got blown out at Wisconsin, never really came back from that, and the coaching staff just wasn't very strong. Uh, and I think that's what gives me confidence here is – I don't know if the talent is way better than that 2020 year based on what Lovey Smith was getting in the transfer portal. Some of the guys he recruited, I mean, talking about Sidney Brown and Quan Martin and uh, Devin Witherspoon, like we, we thought they could break through, um, but the the coaching just didn't match it up. In the last two years, I think what we've seen is that there's a pretty good coaching staff that's going to get Illinois into close games. With the difference of the record, I mean, Illinois probably could have been 7-5 and Bielma's first year. They were close to, you know, there's a, a path where they could have been like 10-2 and two and won the Big Ten West last year. Um, it's just how you perform in those close games, the breaks, the penalties, the turnovers, whatever it is. Um, but you feel like you're going to compete every game. That certainly wasn't the case under Lovey Smith. And that's probably what this season is going to come down to, is all of these close games. I mean, Illinois was one in four in one-possession games in the Big Ten last year. I know the refs made some some key calls in those things, but Illinois also wasn't able to, to win those, whether it was players making a mistake, a coaching call, red zone, all those different things. Um, and that's why this season I feel like there's going to be plenty of opportunity here, but can they be that team? Can they be the first team? Since what, what did I write it? Since eighty nine ninety, Joey that won eight plus games in back to back years, that made back to back bowls for the first time since Ron Zook got fired, right? Like and started six and zero, goes oh and six, like this path to sustained success, which is the whole goal of Josh Whitman and Brett Bielma. It starts here, like now. Now is the time you prove it.
0: Yeah, it is, and you're right. Like if that twenty one year, I'm thinking it was at Maryland, right? The home loss, the. Uh... Yeah. Uh, Blake Gerasadi catch game, um, UTSA, UTSA at home, Purdue. Like, I think the narrative of this, like, this column that you wrote today could have been a year ago, right? If Illinois, if a couple of those close games flip. Uh, then you're starting to feel because there's still a little bit of trepidation among the fan base. Like ah, this is new, this is new. I, I don't know about this because every time uh, there's
1: been expectations, Joey, the, the rug has been pulled out from under. I get it. I get the reaction of oh, I don't like I I don't like three or four Big Ten network analysts and and maybe there's a little bit of hot take to that so they can come back in three months and say they called it. But three or four calling, you know, what was it Jerry Dinardo, Mike Hall, and Howard Griffith? How, Griffith obviously biased. But all those guys saying Illinois is going to be in the Big 10 West?
0: Oh whoa, they're like, "Hey, like, let's just be the underdog. We're comfortable being the underdog here." But how like I don't think like, they they're not the pick, right? I don't know that you and I would pick Illinois to do that today. But it's not like that's the hottest take that's ever been mentioned either. Like, so I think like that's what I think is the, like the big change is someone can say that and people, you know, in the Big 10 footprint or, or even Illinois fans would say like, "Uh, eh, I'm not seeing it it's like picking, it's like picking
1: Penn State to win the East right like I, I think Penn State's a top 10 team in the country based on what they're bringing back and their quarterbacks very talented um but I mean that's a bold call like it's hard to pick them over Ohio State and Michigan uh Illinois like listen I think Illinois is gonna have a chance to if they execute because I don't think the West is all that great I would still have Iowa as the favorite I get the ceiling of Wisconsin I think there's a Florida Wisconsin that enough people don't talk about but they got talent they got a good coach uh it's just a lot of newness there that I think makes them a little bit more vulnerable than being the favorite in the west
0: yeah I, I think you're right there but I guess the point is it's like this the, the the perception and the reality of Illinois football has changed where if in November Illinois wins the west I don't think people would say like what a complete and total stunner like last year it would have been yes right like last year sure, for sure would have been I just think that's like you you see a program kind of growing up before your eyes. And I think that's the best way I can like say it is two years ago. No last year. No this year. Okay. Like you could make that argument. Now what Brett Bielman coming full circle, like the goal is to make that a realistic possibility. I know the West will not exist, uh, but to kind of make that the floor right. And make that, that seven, eight win, Area six to eight, when I it would probably be a better way, like the floor of your program, and you're starting to see that maybe people are buying into that now.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Brett B. almost said, For the first time, I feel like we can win every game on our schedule, and Ohio State Michigan not being on the schedule, but they almost <laughs> beat Michigan at Michigan last year. So I, I think he'd say it even if they were, but he also said, We can lose every game. And I kind of agree with that. I don't think Ford Atlantic is going to beat Illinois, I don't think Northwestern is going to beat Illinois. Um, but Toledo's got a chance. Kansas had certainly I think Kansas might be a favorite in that game uh, based on them being at home. So uh, I agree with that as well. All right, Joey, uh, we will get into the 10 questions entering training camp, but what did we learn at big 10 media days? Uh, we kind of talked about our impressions from Bielma Whitman, who's, who's great on the podcast. Definitely go back and listen to that, the, the law firm joining us of Johnny Newton, and Keith Randolph was awesome as well. Any other Illini things you want to get out there?
0: Um, Two, There's two. I wrote about it in the four takeaways. Uh, so I want to start with, like, Brett Bielema. I, I didn't get it. It was a sense of false praise for his quarterback. I, I do – his quarterback room, I do genuinely think that he feels better about this room that, than he has in the past. Remember, Art Sikowski was coming off of surgery um going into last um, season. Tommy DeVito hadn't really played to the level that we had seen Tommy DeVito play in several years. I think he's genuinely excited about Luke Altmaier, the development of Donovan Leary, and John Paddock. But here's the thing: you're not going to say, "Eh, that's not it either." So, like, yeah, there, he there said was he said basically
1: last year at this time he felt good about one quarterback because Art Sikowski was coming off of surgery, um, two surgeries. He he did not say that to us at the time, right? Like, he, he didn't did say, now. "Guys, if we get hurt at quarterback, oh, <laughs> look out now."
0: My my bigger takeaway, and the one that you and I had talked about. Uh, for a little bit after media days and and since that one in five, one and four stretch to close the season, like that eats at Brett Bielma. It should. I he, he it should because what was on the other side of that, right? If if you go two and three, um, you have probably got a different scenario. Obviously, if you win the ball game, it doesn't change anything. But he mentioned that a few times and like pretty unprompted. It wasn't like Brett, right, you went 1 and 5 last or 1 and 4 to close the season. What do you think? He brought that up and that's a new one for him. Yeah. Um to close the season like that. And I think it it truly does not him because I think he realizes what could have been and To be fair, like, he wasn't saying our guy – like, he wore a lot of the blame. Like, what could I have done differently? He circled the Purdue game as, hey, I emphasized Wisconsin. I emphasized Iowa. I emphasized Northwestern. And maybe I didn't draw a big enough circle around Purdue. Uh, That game, Jeremy, as we know, shifted the way the West went um, to go down there. So, I think there was a lot of – and I'm looking forward to ask Brett this at some point in training camp – a lot of self-reflection on how Mm -hmm. that – that went down and, and injuries played a role and, and someone will say the, the, the refs played a role and there were certainly some bad calls down the stretch, but that was a big one for me yeah. is he's really, he bookmarked that. And, and that's something that I think he's going to bring up and has brought up a lot to his team.
1: Yeah. And I thought the way Isaiah Williams presented it, and I'm sure Brett Bielma probably presented this because usually they echo their <laughs> head coach. Um, there you go. It, it sucked for last year for what they wanted for their goals. Um, they fell short of what they could have accomplished, because whether it was not taking an opponent seriously or feeling themselves, as Brett Buman was kind of suggesting that they had arrived and maybe overlooking Michigan State and, and Purdue, um, they certainly didn't overlook Michigan and in, in, in Northwestern. But Isaiah Williams said, We had the chance to win a lot of games, which honestly going into next year builds confidence knowing that we could win every game we go into if we do the right things, but also we lost some games at the end that we felt we should have won, so that put a chip on our shoulder. I feel that's a unique feeling to have both. Usually somebody's confident, but they won't really have that chip. I feel like going into next season, we got both. We got that confidence knowing we can go into every game to win. We also got that chip knowing that we have something to prove, knowing that we left a lot out there last year. We're looking forward to fixing that this year. Like, that's a positive for this year, right? Like You still have that chip on your shoulder, like, man, we got unfinished business. Brett Bielma used that word, uh, that phrase, unfinished business, that they felt they should have won the West, and they blew it last year, which they they did. They also had a breakthrough season. They gained a lot of confidence going, hey, we're better than Wisconsin. We're better than Iowa. We'll see if they are this year, but they were last year. Um, I think that's that's great to know that you have both, and I'm interested to see if they can maintain that and maintain the confidence, and then build off the unfinished business.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I asked Brett Bealum about the confidence, and he said you can f- you can't really fake it. Like people try to fake it, and I, I should pull up the exact quote, but it, it's a really hard thing to fake. Let me find it here. I always say there's fake confidence all the time and a lot of tr- a lot of people try to play it off as real, but it comes shallow or doesn't resolve in the most difficult moments. These guys have it real now. Yeah. And I think like for as much as the outside perception of Illinois has changed, and, and I know on, on our podcast with Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, they had talked about it. I would encourage people to go back and listen on terms of kind of what you feel when an opponent comes into play you and, and how that has evolved over their careers. I think a lot of it was shifting the perception of that program from inside it. And I think Brett Bielema has done a good job. And Isaiah Williams has talked about how that confidence starts with him and that swagger and that kind of bravado. We've noticed it. I mean, come on, we, we, we talked to Brett Bielema enough times. Anyone who's seen a camera in his face has, has noticed it. I think like that that is a real thing that they have now. And now you're talking about guys like Isaiah Williams, Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton, Isaiah Adams down the line. Like that's just kind of the norm. And, again, that goes back to a program kind of growing up a little bit before our eyes. And, again, you got to maximize this season to do it. But I I think a big thing of what Brett Bielema needed to do was shift the confidence inside of that building. And he's done it. And to your point, when when he said we can also lose every game, and I know Isaiah Williams in your quote alluded to that too, Brett Bielema was not talking to us. He he did not want – he wanted his guys to know they believe in him, but they sure as heck better not slack and those key moments down the stretch and like that message he he does a really good job of getting messages to resonate with his guys
1: Yeah, the other thing that uh, was pretty newsy, and I talked about it with Whitman, was Brett Bielma dropping in, in, in his press conference that he had no compete clause with Big Ten teams. Uh, he, su- he said he suggested it. We, we still need to confirm the actual language of the contract, but uh, Whitman obviously confirmed it. Bielma said it. People around Illinois were telling us about it. They were happy that, that he put that out there. Um, that, that's pretty significant. Uh, I, I look at it, you know, Wisconsin, Nebraska, he was speculated there. It's the Iowa clause. I mean, we even had Iowa writers, our friends David Eichel and uh, Sean Bach and us, yeah, do you think Brett ultimately ends up in Iowa? And it's like, I don't think so, cause I don't think he wants to be the guy after the guy. But it is, it is his alma mater, all those things. Well, not have, having that no compete for the next six years, I don't. I think Ferentz is going to be there for a little bit while longer. But uh, I think that tells you that that he wants to be here. I, I just always have thought, and it, it's based on what we've talked about with Whitman, how he sold this job to Brett Bielma. And I think you know, Brett Bielema was the guy after the guy at Wisconsin. Um, I don't think he wants to be that after Ference. I think he wants to be the Hayden Fry of Illinois. Uh, I think he wants to be the Barry Alvarez of Illinois. Uh, and I think this shows that. And, and how he got rewarded with that no-compete clause, he got a raise from $4.2 million to $6 million. Right. And then that goes up year after year, retention bonus, all these things. Illinois' has made him a very rich man. He's built a, a monstrosity of a house in Champaign. They just got in that house. They're still finishing it up. Uh, I think he wants to be here for a long time. And, and, and I think he and Whitman um, are, are, are a long term partnership here, Joey, as long as Bielma continues to have success, obviously.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And the Iowa clause is exactly right. You and I have talked about this. On, I don't know if it's been on here, but but certainly in many of our road trips around wherever we've gone. Um, I don't know that he would have gone, but I think that's the program that would have really pulled at his heartstrings the most, right? And I, I think the one that would have really made him think the most about it, and now it takes that off the table. And again, I don't, I never thought he was going to go, but I, I don't think it would have been an easy decision if it would have come down to that. And And the no compete clause takes that out of it. Um, again, like you said, we, we'd like to see the contract, and I know we've put in requests for that. Um, but Brett Bielman is going to stand up there on the Big Ten network in front of everybody and say, I've got this, and then not really have that. And Josh Whitman yeah. isn't going to st- step into um, two or three microphones and say, he has this, and not really have that. Right. Um, that That is like the <laughs> the last thing you would lie about in a situation like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was a pretty big piece of news uh, to put out there. And Brett Bielema, let's be honest, Jeremy has a very good sense of the conversations around him. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was not like a, an accidental. Then afterwards, they had to get together with Whitman and be like, hey, oh boy, that's out there now. I think that was very... We're, we're going to get foia now by four media elements. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was an intentional yep. drop. Um, and... Brett Bielma is really good at that. He's got a little book and he knows what he wants to talk about. And he wanted to bring that up. And sometimes to the point
1: there, it deviates from what we actually ask him. He's like, I (laughs) I got to hit
0: these three points. Hold on Wagner. It uh, it did. I will say Brett Bielma kind of stole the news cycle from the Tuesday prior. Uh, I'm being a little over the top. There was a lot more news. at Big Ten media days than that, but, but announcing Jim Leonard on Tuesday as a senior analyst, you put out that no compete clause uh, nugget on Wednesday Brett Bielma knows how to get, like, we're not a complicated bunch. Uh, he, he knows how to get our attention. Yeah, let's, let's bring that up. We
1: haven't talked about that here yet um, too much on the podcast, uh, hiring Jim Leonard. Like, somebody DM'd us about this during the spring, right? We're like, ah, I don't know about that. Jim uh, obviously has a relationship with, with Brett Bielma dating back to when he played at Wisconsin, and Bielma was his defense coordinator for his final year, uh, but the more and more this, I mean, comes out, it makes so much sense for them, especially now that we know the setup. We know Jim Leonard ne- never wanted to leave Wisconsin. Like, he never wanted to leave there. His family lives there. I think they want to live there forever. Uh, but obviously, he did not get the head coaching job. Uh, Chris McIntosh goes and hires Luke Fickle, and who can blame him for for what Fickle's record is? Um, but for a guy who's probably going to make the leap to the NFL or be a college head coach, and it seems like I think he's going to be a college head coach next with the way Bielma has talked about this, um, it makes sense that he can be in Champaign from, what, Sunday to Thursday, go home, be with his family over the weekend. And what a resource that is for Aaron Henry without being threatening. Right? Like, as if Jim Leonard's in the in the press box – you know, on on Saturdays and Henry calls a play, is he gonna get credit for it that if it works out, if Jim Leonard's sitting in the press box? I I think this was this was a nice fit to have somebody do that. And I, I think getting back to the head coach thing, Brett Bielma talked about how he hasn't been involved a lot with special teams and offense. He's going to get him involved with those things, and I think that's to set him up to be a head coach. What level that's at, whether it's FBS or you know Power 5, whatever it is, Jim Leonard's a hot commodity, man. Uh, he was at the end of last year, and I know he's interviewed for Power 5 head coaching jobs before, and uh, it seems like that that's the goal here, is, is to take this year off, let Wisconsin pay him a million bucks for their buyout, and then uh, try and get a head coaching job, wherever that is.
0: Yeah, I mean Brett Bielen was coach. I mean he's got a nice little coaching tree um, during his own coaching career. This definitely feels like a a head coach training seminar. Yes, I mean that's exactly what it feels like to me. And I think you can go back and look. Obviously, the most recent being Ryan Walters. Like he's the guys have graduated from his program to have that, and and I think Jim Leonard recognizes that maybe there was something in his own process he felt like he could improve on, uh, maybe that's having a, a deeper offensive plan, having a, a more, you know, hands-on special team approach, whatever the case may be. We've not talked to Jim Leonard. Uh, but Brett Bielema's history suggests that this, if you want to go get a seminar on, on how to be a head coach, you don't have to stand in front of microphones during the week. You don't have to be there on the weekends. You can go be with your family. This is a pretty win-win gig, and you still get a million bucks from Madison for, you know, Existing and helping coach a rival, and
1: you lost you, lost
0: you lost one of the best defense
1: coordinators in the Big Ten, and you just gained one. Like that's that's a pretty like good Probably
0: forty five thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. It, I mean, Fifty grand. Yeah, just to throw at him. Yeah. Yeah. Now we don't say that to minimize. Like, if you're Aaron Henry, you've got to be pumped that you've got somebody who, like, I don't know that this would work as well if Aaron Henry and Jim leonard didn't have a, yeah, like a long term friendship. um Relationship, however you want to describe it, because like that's kind of a big name to bring in when you're a first time DC and, and somebody with a lot of success and a lot of history. But I think it works that they know each other. I'm sure Aaron Henry knows Jim Leonard and trying to start a life in Champaign, right? Like the, my read is come here for a year, go away, but, but be a really good resource for Aaron Henry, for Antonio, Finnellas, for for a coaching staff that's trying to come together like I don't want to minimize that in any way, shape, or form because I think that really matters. But I think, like this job, you probably have to zoom out a little bit and see it for what it is, and it's a head coach training program.
1: Yeah, pretty good one for both sides, I would think. All right, other things: Northwestern fallout. I, I thought David Braun put his best foot forward to be the spokesman of that program. I, I read one quote. Where he said, "Hey, list, I'm supporting my players for not showing up to this, but I wanted to show them that I'm going to face the music. Like I'm, I'm going, I'm going to be out here." He didn't have all the answers, um, and, and I don't expect him to, but he was out there. He was public, unlike his AD, Derek Carr, who had one interview, from what I know, with our guy Adam Rittenberg at ESPN, um, and you know, he seems to have the support of Michael Schill at this point, but Michael Schill not really doing a lot of interviews either. So it was at least some form of leadership accountability even though he really didn't have much to do with that now some of his staff are are mentioned and named in all of these things but uh kudos to him for showing up i just wanted to mention that and you know we we got word of the front office sports report about minnesota i thought pj fleck came out firing and i thought he handled it really really well um we'll see if any follow-ups happen to that pj flecks had been accused of some of these things i know A lot of people don't like him i i don't love the personality but i i thought he came out and really defended himself really really well the other day so we'll see if anything comes out of that uh and the new coaches uh i thought luke fickle was really impressive i i I think he's i think he's gonna do well at, at wisconsin i don't know if it all happens right away and then obviously we were able to talk with with ryan walters um just one of my favorite guys i've ever covered I'm just really interested to see how that how that goes the first two years. It's, uh, it's a really young staff, exciting staff. They're recruiting really well. I believe in Ryan, the leader. Uh, but it's just it's just a different fit for, for Purdue for a first-time coach in, in the Big Ten when, when the Big Ten looks like it's as good as ever. Um, so just a, a couple impressions from the other coaches there, Joey.
0: Yeah, I think to, to circle back quickly to David Braun, I think a lot of people who are in hiring roles – are probably going to circle back to that. Now you're going to investigate everything. He did know, he didn't know. I mean, all that's obvious. But I think, in terms of his career, like standing up there and going out there and answering those, I think a lot of people who make hires are going to going to remember that and circle that because, I mean, he he really wasn't around, right? And he went out there and did it. There's still a lot more. I don't even know where to begin with Northwestern. There's a lot more to to dive into. But I think that earned him points. Um, long-term career-wise provided everything else checks out it's
1: just the one thing i keep coming back to is he was out there on the podium in front of the cameras uh answering questions all day and then you had Derek gregg in like the bowels of the stadium setting up one interview i, I
0: just that's not good I,
1: I and he and he explained it to to rittenberg is oh i'm wanting my president uh, be the forward facing guy. It's like, dude, you're Where the athletic at? director. Where was he at, in Indy Then you're the athletic director with four or five lawsuits against your programs, and including some of your hires and oversight of this. Like, it's just I know it all didn't happen with under Derek Ragg. And obviously, Jim Phillips has to answer questions, and he has, but at least he's answered some questions. Like, Derek Ragg has not been in front of a camera yet.
0: No, that's it's not, it's not leadership. It's a bad look, man. Yeah. It's a bad look. Um, New coaches, man. Can we just, like, pull back the curtain a little bit? Brett Bielema was the first coach to speak at the podium on Wednesday. I was not really pro- – I-, I watched David Braun uh, because that's when our timeline kind of opened. But what it looks like when a head coach goes and all the media there that covers that school, there's, like, a one-on-one media scrum. Those are the videos you see that, that you upload with Brett Bielema and Josh Whitman. And then it's – we're writing – uh, we tried to get some of the, the cold lunch meat sandwiches. I ate a half a loaf of bread. He did. Um, during those. So, like, I didn't see a lot of the other ones yeah. on Wednesday, to be honest with you. I, I saw more on Thursday because we weren't chasing Brett Bielema around or, or Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph or Isaiah Williams. That's not a complaint. I, obviously, we go there to talk about them, but like, I, I probably should go back and watch some of the other Wednesday podium sessions and another the Big Ten Network, uploaded all of. Like, they have everybody go up to the desk, players, coaches. Uh, Brett Bielma was was pretty good up there. Learned quite a bit from that. We should probably pay more attention to that because he actually said some things Mm -hmm. on there. But, yeah, man, um, Luke Fickle is an impressive guy. He's an impressive guy. You don't get that resume by not being impressive. Yeah, it's a good fit.
1: Uh, The other thing is, it was just a reminder, like, listen, I I think Brett Bielma got a little upset about it. Um, We were just like, okay, we're going long enough. But to have, like – CBS, NBC, Fox, all represented at that thing. uh, I thought was really, really interesting that you had all of these networks, these huge networks. I know like ESPN is the biggest name in sports, but you have CBS, NBC, Fox, and it's just a reminder that in you know starting a little bit this year, but also next year, you have a Big Ten game on Fox at 11 a.m. You have. CBS at 2.30 and then a primetime NBC game. Like, that's big time. It just feels a little bit different. I know a lot of games are still going to be on FS1 and, and BTN, but, man, they are in, be- in bed with these big networks. I know streaming, cable, it, it, maybe the network doesn't matter as much, but to be honest with you, with all the cuts at ESPN, Joe, and I know ESPN does games pretty well, but CBS, NBC, Fox—they still do unbelievable jobs promoting these games, and, and I still think just having them over-the-air broadcasts is just a massive deal. And, and 1.2 billion per year coming to the Big Ten—it's—it's it's a reminder of how big the Big Ten is compared to when we're looking at the Pac-12, maybe struggling to get 30 million a year for each of its schools, and the Big Ten is going to be over 80. It just—it's just a reminder that the Big Ten and SEC are just completely different level. Yeah,
0: it's unbelievable. Um Nine hours, give or take, of football, Big Ten football, across major networks every Saturday. It's pretty good. And if and Illinois they, is good,
1: they, they they get one of those every once in a while, right?
0: They do, and you're, you're starting to see it, right? Illinois has got big noon kickoff for the Penn State, gosh, what, Penn State game. Uh, reports are they're playing the night game at Purdue. That will be a fun one. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to the bye week already because <laughs> I don't – I guess I've not talked to you about travel, but uh, my travel is going to be to my couch and watching college football all day, I hope. Uh, it's, it's good, man. If you're a Big Ten football fan, it's a lot of national broadcasts. and like, It's just a lot of inventory to see your teams play. I think that's the big one. All
1: right, guys, first impressions matter. There's no two ways around it. And your face, well, that's most likely the first thing that someone notices about you. How your skin looks is going to determine, good or bad, that first impression. I decided it's time to put my best face forward and started using Caldera Lab to do so. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day and your confidence. Use our exclusive code Alliney at Calderolab.com to enjoy twenty percent off their best products. Listen, guys, I'm skeptical too. Men's skincare, we all want to be manly. We don't need that stuff. But I know you care about those wrinkles, those bags under your eyes. And why not look good? It helps us in life, helps our confidence. So take care of your skin, and Caldera Lab helps you do that. They create high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen is your twice-a-day formula to transform your skin. And the best part, it's super easy literally takes 30 seconds in the morning and 30 seconds at night this little time for the huge benefits is compounding interest i can get behind all day long now to the fun stuff what products is called their offer Let me tell you. First off, the clean state starts and ends your day. This face wash leaves all skin types refreshed. Then you'll apply the base layer right after to moisturize and hydrate your skin. Even better, it absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish to start your day confidently. Then the good, it's your go-to night face serum rounded out. And then want to take things a step forward, the icon is the eye serum that helps you shine while addressing the three most common skin concerns around the eyes. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Caldera Lab is made with top tier ingredients, legit showstopper. That is good for you today and in the long run. Right now, get 20% off with our code at CalderaLab.com. That's 20% off at CalderaLab.com by using code ALINI. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. All right, Joey, let's focus on Illinois football's training camp because it is almost here. We still got to get our schedule of everything that happens. And just a reminder, training camp under Brett Bielma has been very close. We usually get to see some some stretching, he said maybe that'll change this year. I highly doubt it. <laughs> I really highly doubt it. So it's unlike the Brett Bielma era, Ron Zook era, Tim Beckman era, Bill Kubit, whatever it was, where we got to see a lot more and kind of give you updates of who was good in each practice. We're not going to be able to get that, but we do get to talk with players. We get to see the players. We get to usually see who's here, who's doing well, and all of that. But uh, I figured we could do 10 questions entering training camp. And I think we know – some main things we've talked about a lot of things. So I'm just going to throw some, some fun questions at you that can cover some good topics. And I thought this was a fun one. Who's the offense's top playmaker. And by that, I mean, who has the most yards from scrimmage
0: on the Illini offense this year, Joey, who would be your pick? I mean, can we do like the non Isaiah Williams category? Because my bet would be Isaiah Williams, Like, i it, it's so it's impossible for me right now to think it's anyone else. Um, Cause I think the running backs would be your next option, but who do you pick? Cause it sounds like it's going to be a committee approach. Yeah.
1: Hold on here. Here's here's the debate I have in my head. If it were Isaiah Williams or the, an Illinois running back, I would side with an Illinois running back just because of Brett Bielma's history of 1000 sure. yard running backs. And for Isaiah Williams, he can get a hundred catches and still have under a thousand yards. Right. And, and most of his rushes are not really rushes. They're receiving yards. Um, so I, I think I would go a running back here. I think Isaiah Williams is the easy bet to get the most yards. Definitely over 800 for me for Isaiah Williams. I think he's going to be a huge playmaker, and I think they're going to try and stretch the field a little bit more. Wrote about that a little bit this week. Uh, and I think Reggie Love is the most trustworthy back, but Brett Bielema loves Josh McCray. So I'm, I'm going to go with a little bit of a bold pick and go Josh McCray because I think he's the most likely to get like 180 to 200 carries. So I'm going to go with josh mccray is my answer for this uh
0: i I mean that's a fair fair. isaiah williams
1: would be the favorite in vegas if we're doing odds i would agree with that he,
0: he i just i worry about how the splits go running back wise to take josh mccray um because it could end up you have like two 700 yard rushers correct um, which that, is, by the I, way, pretty good rushing attack if that's how that circles out to be. Um,
1: it'd be about the same as last year. And I keep coming back to this. It was a good
0: it, rushing attack last year.
1: It was good. It wasn't great. But if you look back at it, like Illinois. No, no, you're right. You're right. Illinois was like 50 something in the country rushing yards per game. Um, they were seventh in the Big Ten in rushing yards per game. So I get it. Chase Brown was unbelievable. He was a superstar. But I think. Josh McCree
0: healthy makes that great last year.
1: Yes. Absolutely. I agree with that. But it was one guy that was doing all of this for what was at, actually like a middle of the pack rushing attack. So I, I think Brett Piuma would be disappointed if it were like seven hundred, seven hundred. Am I playing music? To, to be honest with you.
0: Oh man, I thought i had been playing music over here. Have you heard music? No. I got these new earbuds. I'm sorry, I just <laughs> completely went off. Every time I adjust them, I think it might be the might be Maps playing. I don't know where this music. The comes yeah yeah from. yes. I think so I don't know where it's coming from <laughs> See, this is why I use wired headphones Because I have no earthly idea Where this music is coming from Is
1: it like pairing to one of your other devices? It's not to
0: my phone My <laughs> laptop is Well, it's not Yacht Rock And that was what I was last <laughs> listening to on my laptop Oh, I'm sorry to distract this this whole time oh, really? like, It had done it earlier I was like, was that Jeremy? I saw your I'm face kind
1: of I'm like, he's not hearing me right now He's, he- he's no. hearing something else I love it. No,
0: I I think I heard the yay, yay, yes. I like I, it. But I didn't. I freaked out before I could actually listen to what it was.
1: Great song. From so the I'm sorry. What
0: did you say before I.
1: I don't even lost remember. Uh, I think Brett Bion would be disappointed if it were like 700, 700. I think he'd want like a thousand and a 700.
0: And then a 250? Yeah, something like that.
1: like Jordan Anderson or Aiden Lawfrey. Maybe a Caden yeah. Fagan.
0: I'm with you. When I read that though, to your to to the final point, like I thought, how could like are we just going to talk about Isaiah Williams for a whole segment? Which is fine because he's really good. But that was a good. I I like that. It was. Uh, Admittedly, I didn't do a ton of research into this before we talked. Well, it was really
1: it was really uh, who's going to lead in rushing? Is it Josh or Reggie? I think Reggie Love is going to have every opportunity. Like I just think the staff trusts him the most. But I know Bealma loves McCray. The whole John Clay comparisons. Isaiah Williams would be the smart pick. He'd be the odds-on favorite because. It could be Love or McCray. Um, so it was just a way to discuss that. Kind of another way to do this. How many skill players top 500 yards from scrimmage? Last year, Joey, it was two: Chase Brown and Isaiah Williams. I
0: went with four. I just, I, so I'm writing this down. I'm telling you, I really should. I was writing after you sent this. I didn't do um I think it's four.
1: Yeah. Isaiah Williams, Josh McCray, Reggie Love, Pat Bryant.
0: That's exactly who I had. Who's your dark horse to get in there it'd have to be Casey Washington
1: he's gonna get a lot of he's gonna go a lot of reps so yeah if maybe Pat Bryant got hurt Casey Washington maybe get some more big plays he'd have, he'd have to have a couple big plays and that just hasn't been his game. His bread and butter is like an eight-yard catch for a first down. We're going to talk about the freshman wide receivers coming up here. I don't think either of
0: those guys gets in this. I would not feel comfortable putting that on there. The right those are really high expectations.
1: No, we've already seen Pat Bryant be a really good Big Ten receiver, um, or at least a, a, a good starting receiver. Can he be like an all-Big Ten guy? Uh, I, I think he can be. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. Like, And, and Barry Lonnie freaking loves him, uh, Pat Bryant. So I, I think he's going to get a ton of usage anybody like tip rhyme is not hitting that
0: right i don't think so it'd have to be a wide receiver um Canary, or Wilcher. third running back and i don't think it's either one of those things also to just have two last year like the offense was much better and i think like that stat alone shows you how much more room for growth this offense has
1: yeah now to, to be fair uh, i used 500 last year Hightower had 450 and brian had 450 so they were pretty close to it more solidified as a starter on your projected depth chart. Josh Kruitz or Dylan Rosiak? I think it's Josh Kruitz. I agree with you. Like, They had looked for so long for an upgrade at center. And then spring ball happened. And they added Juco, Will Lease. But, and I don't know how much of it is just PR. But we've heard a different tone about Josh Kruitz here lately. right? I think he had a really strong spring. There are questions about... Can he hold up against like Keanu Benton level nose tackles? It's going to be difficult for him. Uh, but I think he's got the mindset, the intelligence, the leadership, and just the nastiness. Uh, so they're singing his praise a little bit more publicly. I'm interested to see what he looks like if, if we get to see it during camp. But I do think Josh Cruz is unquestionably right now the starting center.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Josh Cruz doesn't lack for confidence. Like I'll tell you, I had heard just over the course of time since the season ended – like, there were times last year it's like, hey, I, I could go start over Alex Pilstrom. Yeah. And it's like, well, dude, he's, he's like all Big Ten and he's now with the Saints. And like, that's just Josh Cruz's mindset. Like, I don't think he, some guys, when you look in Illinois, it was like pretty aggressively looking for transfers. Like, that, you cannot hide that or, or phrase that any differently. I don't, like, some guys might get a little like looking over your shoulder. Like, what's, I don't get the sense and people I've talked to that Josh Cruz was that guy. I think it was just like, all right. I'll beat him. Well, and, and not like, yeah, that's right. Like, not like, I right, I don't care. But, like, he believed in himself enough to know like, this is my job. Yeah. And I think Brett Bielema mentioned on the Big Ten Network, like, he had a really good summer when he talks. And you and I know that's, at least in our interactions, um, not the most frequently. But, like, people listen yeah. in, in the room. And I, I think that matters. And they ask. Like, Bart Merrill will tell you he said it on the record a hundred times. Like, they ask a lot of centers in this offense. And Josh Cruz is now going into his third year in that understanding of what they ask of centers. And in his second year with Barry Lunny, Willie's doesn't have that. Yep. Like, I, I just think that it's either Josh Cruz, or I would even argue, like, someone like Zach Barlow, who has been around and who knows would, would be somebody who would be competing with Willie's. But it's hard for me to think Josh Cruz is in the starting center at this point. And I, look, I wouldn't have said that
1: five I think, months ago. I, I don't think he's going to play, but he's gained a lot of strength. And, like, TJ McMillan has a semester over Will Lees, So, like, even those guys, uh, Joey Oakley, I don't, he's been playing more guard than, than center. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Scrooge. Rosiak, I think, is going to play a lot, uh, whether it's the mm-hmm. Isaac Dark Angel role or, or whatever. I do think we can see a scenario where they start one linebacker, five DBs, five basically defensive linemen, basically a five one five. Um Or Kanena Odaluga starts... It's kind of the overhang. C.J. Hart played that a lot last year, so I could see that
0: as well. Um, so I do think Kruitz is a starter. You know, it gives me a little back to the like a, a tie back to the new coaches discussion. You've got to have five DBs. It sounds like when you're playing Wisconsin this year, mm-hmm. uh, when you're playing Purdue, Purdue, and that that hasn't changed. But Graham Harrell, uh, he's a guy who wants to spread it out a little bit. I think we, we probably will see that out of Matt Rule at Nebraska. Like five DBs is going to become a lot more the norm than not. Um, if it already hasn't, it probably already has. So, I like think the way the West has shifted, that's that's kind of where it goes.
1: More likely starter Jordan Slaughter or Josh Gesky.
0: Boy, well, it's like you took my um, I'm doing a top position battles. I'm gonna lean towards Geske because he can play guard or tackle. So, you know, if you maybe you don't like what Zy Chrysler gives you a guard. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, I think they want to move Chrysler to tackle. Yeah, let, they, let's, let's like set that. this
1: up for people who are listening. Left tackle, Julian Pearl. Left guard, Isaiah Adams. One of the best sides of an offensive line in the Big Ten outside of Ann Arbor, right? Like Michigan's offensive line is ridiculous. Josh Krutz at center. Zai Chrysler will start at one of guard or tackle after missing the spring. Geski started at tackle during the spring. Slaughter at guard during the spring. Now it sounds like those two are going to compete for a starting job.
0: I expect Chrysler to stay at tackle. I do too. I think it's trending that way. Uh, but I, I lean towards Gasky because just in case, right? Like you got a guy who took all sorts of first team right tackle reps in spring. He can do that. We have, you and I have not seen him at guard. Um, right. So that would be interesting. We've seen Jordan Slaughter at guard. So I think Jordan Slaughter is going to get every chance if they keep Chrysler at tackle to win that starting guard spot. And he might, I just I say Gasky because of versatility. Like that's where I lean that way.
1: And I will say, with this staff, they are willing to play a rotation, right? Like Jordan Slaughter played 300 snaps last year, um, so I do think that especially if you got a guy who's kind of working in, uh, I think all these guys are going to get their opportunities, and maybe this changes at some point during the season. But um, yeah, Slaughter for me, that injury seemed to side, you know, set him back a little bit, and, and more like physically, obviously, he missed an entire season. But just, I, I think they want to see that nasty physical demeanor out of him. Uh, and, and Geske obviously doesn't have experience like Slaughter, so that's that's working against him. But that's going to be interesting because, obviously, Slaughter, this is his last chance, last chance to be a, a Big Ten starter. So that's going to be a very interesting um, battle right there.
0: Where do you land then? Sorry, did I miss that?
1: Man, that's a great question. I, I've not, I haven't seen Geske at guard. I, I really think I really, think I really think I really think Chrysler's going to start at tackle so give me Slaughter just because I've seen him there and I've, I've seen him be serviceable as a starter and man it, when it's your last chance I hope you would turn it up so um, I'm sure Bart Miller's looking forward to that so I'll, I'll go with Slaughter I'll go with the old guy uh, more solidified as a starter Joey defensive back version Tyler Strain at corner or Demetrius Hill
0: at safety <laughs> I'm going strain. Yeah, I am too. I am too. The, the thing that my holdup, uh, when Brett Bielema was asked about the newcomers at Media Day and he was talking about Prince Ford, he made it, and remember, they got Prince Ford in the summer. This wasn't a mm-hmm. pre-spring edition. He said, we were looking to add another corner. And it's like, okay, was that a depth piece? Did you not like what was there in terms of what you could con- who could contribute this year? Like, That's where I kind of get held up. But I think in my mind, I think in a lot of minds, when you talk about that, like you immediately go to starter and Brett Bielema at times is thinking gunner on punt return, right. (laughs) Or or, or something like that. So like, I, that's, I think it's strange. Do we, do we learn that with a,
1: we learn that with Prather Hudson, I believe uh, in Max Rosenthal is what we learned that with, um, yeah, I'm going with Strain because I've seen it. Like uh, I get it, Demetrius Hill, freshman All-American. It's a great headline, gets everybody excited. This guy's gonna be a star right away. I think he's got more competition. To be honest with you, like Nicario, I, we are gonna slate Matthew Bailey and Xavier Scott as two starters, right? Like that's how we feel. Matthew Bailey, whether it's strong or free, uh, and Nick, uh, Xavier Scott at nickel. Like that's how I feel it's gonna be. So that means Demetrius Hill has got to fend off Nicario Harper, who is here in the spring, and Clayton Bush, who obviously Brett Bielma cannot speak enough about. Again, I don't know whether it's to, to be a backup and you know a gunner on special teams or whatever it is, but he speaks highly of him. So this is like the most intense competition I think there's going to be. like the off, For me, it's offensive line and then the safety spot. Uh, at corner, Prince Ford, uh, Caleb Patterson, Juco corners are brought in to compete. Strain was really good last year when he played. And, and he looked good in the spring when, when we saw him. But he had 172 snaps. It's a pro football focus grade. For, for take, take it for what it's worth. But 82 pro football focus grade was third on the defense last year. Um, small sample size, but still big enough that it matters. Nine receptions on 18 targets, two interceptions, two pass breakups. He's not tall. Doesn't have a lot of height to him. But he plays like Taz. He put, he's got that demeanor to him. He breaks well in the ball. He's got great speed. He's got some production and experience. My, my concern with Taz and Strain is injury. Uh, those guys have had some injury history. That's why I think it's important to have Prince Ford, Caleb Patterson, Elijah McCantos, these freshmen who are coming in. But I, Strain looked good in the spring. He looked good when he was on the field last year. I thought, you know, better than even Xavier Scott was on the field last year. Now, he had a year of experience on him, but I'll go Strain because I think Demetrius Hill's got a battle on his hands
0: you, Strain also looked noticeably bulked up, Yep. Um, which was, like, he came in and he's like, oh, this guy's, like, got track speed. I remember that was his commitment. He, like, this dude's super, super fast. And he is, but now he looks, like, bulked up and looks a little bit more uh, like a Big Ten starter. I'll say, look, if, like, a guy like Prince Ford comes in and wins his job in fall camp, is that bad news for Illinois? No. I mean, the guy got here in the summer. So if he comes in and from the summer to September 2nd wins the job over Tyler Strain who we know looked good um every time we've seen him since really that Purdue game when he got in I don't think that's bad news. That's so a depth like, I don't know for. that I expect it. Yeah. Uh, I I expect Strain to win that but like that they're starting to add depth there and yeah. like that's you needed that.
1: And that's what they do with these JUCO guys and and transfers. They seem to look for more for depth than like these stars that that fans get really excited about outside of quarterback. I want you to write the next answer on a piece of paper. Do you have a piece of paper by you, Joey?
0: How little do you think of me preferring? I'm, I'm
1: making you do. Hey, sometimes we don't need it any day. You got a notes app, you're, you're fine. Because I, I'm really interested to see who you pick here. So, besides quarterback, the most important backup on the team is oh,
0: blank. You skipped okay. over the little rundown we had. That's why I thought we were going
1: Oh, sorry. I'll get to that question next. So, oh, do you have that answer ready? Besides quarterback, the most important backup on the team
0: is. This is stupid. I, this is where I, I need that. the Jeopardy music. I I'm not thrilled about this. Give me one little. Hold on. Let me.
1: I should have prepared. Right, let me. Let me. I'll, I'll let you think about that, and then I'll ask you this question while you're thinking about it. Gut feel: Who's the backup quarterback?
0: Donovan Leary. I say that, but what happens if it's like an Iowa game from last year again and you're like, you got a chance at home to make a statement where you are in the West? Do you put Donovan Leary out there or do you go to John Paddock, who's won? Who who started
1: 12 games last year? That's the hard part about this schedule. I was thinking about this. Like, the hard part about this schedule is you don't have like a Charleston Southern on it, you don't have an Eastern Illinois on it. Where in that first game, get your feet wet, feel good about yourself. Get these backups in. Maybe Toledo, if everything goes great, but that's the MAC champion. I think it's like, Toledo would probably beat Northwestern. Toledo would have a chance to Purdue. I mean, they got a chance against Illinois. Um, Florida Atlantic is the weakest opponent, probably on paper. Tom Herman's an interesting coach there. They always have some athletes, but I think Illinois will dominate in the trenches, but you don't have the chance to get Donovan Leary in there. You don't have a chance to, to get some of these younger guys in there. So, that, that's the hard part about this schedule. Um, so I, I think that's the that's a great question, Joey. Are you willing? It's based on probably what they see in practice, that's for sure. But uh, for that reason, I'd probably side with Paddock early in the season. But Donovan Larry got all, like, almost all the second-team reps during spring.
0: I think there's a difference between the backup who takes the snaps from the backup center before the game and who goes out there in the middle of a Big Ten West race if you need one. Like, I think for everything we see in warm-ups, we'll probably say Donovan Leary, right? Like, I think there's a lot there. Like, they really, really like him. I think he's improved a lot. I think he's got – I know he's got four years of eligibility. Like, and I think John Paddock might get it. Like, he might get it. But, like, I just wonder what happens in a – like, when it's back against the wall and you got a chance to make that statement, if you've got to go with someone else, who do you go
1: with? You just need somebody to – compete or do you need somebody to go win a game that, that's a it's an interesting question it's an interesting question i don't know barry lunny and brett Beum have said great things about donovan leary uh I, I think paddock you know what he is he's he's faced he's faced those battles right he's played some power five teams um so i that's nice to have in your back pocket and i think it's great for the room you going leary
0: i'll go Let's go, I am, Let's go. I am. I am, but I put the caveat out there. Like, I, I'm going leery, but I don't know if I believe that I'm going leery. I think it would, is. Would, would you say you're leery of going leery? Stop it. Stop it now. <laughs> it's embarrassing.
1: <laughs> All right. Do you have your answer besides quarterback, the most important backup on the team? I answer. do. And
0: I even X'd out my first answer so you know how okay. torn I was.
1: Can, can we put this up at the same time on our, our computer screens?
0: Yep. All right.
1: Same. You got to put, you put your paper up. Because you have Declan Dooley. Okay, there you go. Said Sed McConnell. Both of us. Said I had McConnell. Declan
0: Dooley. And that's why I was like, I can't believe I'm putting a punter, but I think it's said McConnell.
1: I actually thought Declan Dooley too. So you and I are on the same yeah. page here. I mean, the the explanation's right, easy, right? If, if Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph gets hurt, uh, and I think, you know, said would be the guy behind Johnny most importantly, um, you need somebody that can play. And, and they're so young at the three technique, so inexperienced, but Seb McConnell, so what, his third season here at Illinois? Um We've heard from Terrence Jameson, he's taken a big leap, and and to be honest with you, they need somebody that can rotate in there. They need somebody who can take a 100 snaps from Johnny Newton, because I know how hard it is to take him off the field, but they need somebody that they can have Johnny Newton ready for the fourth quarter, because let's, let's be honest, the pass rush really struggled in the fourth quarter uh last year, and, and part of the reason the defense gave up some points late in the uh, game, so I think Sed McConnell have a defensive rotation like that. Defensive line rotation is is really important. Then you gotta think of the future too. Sed McConnell's probably a starter next year.
0: Yep. All of those reasons. Um, they need him to be to to be somebody who can be in the rotation because there's not a lot there. I mean, you got Bryce Barnes would be in that mix, um, Denzel Dax, but like it's not the same. Sed McConnell can play the three technique. I don't think that's where they um, or can play nose. I, I don't know they envision him there, Jeremy. Um, three-tech. He, um, yeah, man.
1: He'd be a great three-tech.
0: Like, that's, that's, yes, that's yes, where he sorry. is ideally. Yeah. 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 Can we do that writing thing for the last two questions? We can talk through the next one, and then – Oh, yeah. All right, let me get uh... – that was, that was fun. I got to mute this so I can crinkle some paper. I... <laughs> <laughs> let me get some more paper here.
1: Um, all right, next one. This is like a version of the dating game. Which red shirt freshman – will have the biggest impact this is a very difficult question
0: uh, that's why I, did. I didn't want to write this one uh, let's write the last two. we have two more can, can we more I,
1: you want to write this one all right um
0: i, I we can't you know what i think we're the gonna have the same it. answer with the next one so right, with the uh, uh okay so you want to write this one okay. yeah
1: let's 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 do it oh all right so man. which red shirt freshman will have the biggest impact for illinois which is difficult because most of the guys who made an impact is true freshmen. Um, obviously, we expect to play big roles. Hank Beatty, um, Gabe Ackes, Matthew Bailey, Xavier Scott we talked a lot about those guys, but this is the rest of the class. So, all right, you ready? Yep. One. Hey, hey Henry Boyer! Some Henry Boyer love here. We need a we need a backup tight end.
0: Second place.
1: Uh, Jordan Anderson probably.
0: Yeah, I was torn between him and Sean Miller.
1: I just gotta see Sean Miller healthy. healthy. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, all these, there's a lot of linemen here. I think Jared Beatty would play if he played any other position. Uh, Tyson <laughs> Rooks is interesting. Yeah, McCantos might have a chance. Crutes, James Crutes on special teams, I think is gonna be a, a star there. Um, but I, as far as like a rotational role, there's not a lot. I mean, Donovan Leary could be in that conversation if there's an injury. But I think Henry Boyer is going to crack that rotation with Tip Ryman and Griffin Moore. I think Jordan Anderson's got a chance. But I I just feel like McCray and Love are going to get a huge chunk of those carries early on. So those would be my two picks. But Boyer's massive, good blocker. I think he takes the Luke Ford role, uh, and I think he's a good red zone target. So he had a really strong spring from what I saw.
0: And they also need help there. Yes. They lost two of the three rotation guys in Luke Ford Michael Michael Who's I mean, outside of Tip Ryman – who do you know for sure? Like I think the two guys you think are in the rotation, if, if you're looking at a top three, are Griffin Moore and Henry Boyer alongside Ryman. So mm-hmm. All where right. I land. Oh god.
1: The Gay Bacchus Award for true freshmen who have the biggest impact. I think we're all at one position here, right?
0: Yeah, and we're really wasting a lot of paper. I
1: recycle right. at the Warner House. Alright, ready? <laughs>
0: One, two, three. Three. <laughs> oh we flipped what I thought we were gonna do there we go
1: you went with Canary yeah. Wilcher who I've been hyping up all off season and uh right. you know oh, we, we've been, been we've been careful with the Malik Elsey hype right it's like hey let's not let's not think Regis Ben's happening here. But uh, And I don't think that's happening here. Uh, but Malik Elsey's getting a lot of buzz. A lot of – I mean, Isaiah Williams, the way he talked about him, Brett Bealmore, the way he talked about him. I've said for a long time he's going to be in the two deep. I think Canari Wiltshire is going to be in the two deep. canary has got to compete with Hank Beatty a little bit for playing time. I think both those guys are going to be huge, important pieces of that wide receiver rotation beyond the starters of Isaiah Williams, Casey Washington, and Pat Ryan.
0: Yeah, I – this is speed for me. And like we know, what Illinois wants to do and be more explosive. I have been. I mean, Jeremy Basley since spring. I'm like, hey, I think Malik is going to be in the rotation. I do think he's going to be hot take there, Wagner. I mean, (laughs) fair. That's fair. Um, But I, I just like we know on those drives to Indianapolis that Brett Bielema like really grills the the guys going. Do you think Malik Elsie didn't come up in his talks with Isaiah Williams? He's like, obviously come up in his talks with Isaiah Williams. I don't know. None of that in seemed place. like an accident where like they got in the car, like, all right, what'd you talk about? And Isaiah's like, hey, I told him I, you know, I really like Malik. And Brett was like, What? Because Brett also <laughs> yes. did that. So, like, man, I think he's just physically can do it, but mm-hmm. Wilcher's got the speed. I'm glad we didn't have the same person. Yeah, We've me got too. The same person a lot. I,
1: I think they're both gonna play. All right, the last question entering training camp. The Matthew Bailey Award is a surprise freshman to make an impact. This is a fun one. All right. Got a couple options here.
0: Either two. I think we're going to be the same one again.
1: Some of my guys coming into this class were obviously LZ, but uh, Brandon Henderson loved. I think he's a year away. Uh, Trey Smith, love. He's at the wrong position. Uh, James Clark, love, um, is an underrated guy. Sabor Kareem could be uh, one people talk about here. Uh, Three, two, one. Oh, there it is. Jeremiah Warren, the guy who's getting a lot of buzz lately. I mean, this is not from us just saying, oh, we like Jeremiah Warren. We've heard in the summer that they loved what they saw from him. I found it interesting. They offered some nose tackle prospects in the class of 2024, and they kind of backed off that in June. Uh, after Jeremiah Warren got into some, uh, some battles and we heard Keith and Johnny talk about him, we heard Brett Bielma bring him up. So Jeremiah Warren, even though he's a freshman defensive lineman, uh, they need defensive line in that rotation. He showed last year, I'll play Hunter Whitenack, even if it's just special teams. So I think the fact that we're hearing his name from multiple people is, is a sign that they think they got a good one there.
0: Yeah, my hesitation was true freshman defensive lineman. Um, that, that's a really difficult Big Ten position to walk into as a freshman. I think he's stronger than, than maybe people thought, and he, he's a little quicker. Sounds like he's been quick, quick early on in workouts. So, that ain't, nose tackle starter
1: in twenty twenty five for sure, probably right.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, feels weird putting him in that like award because Matthew Bailey had such a big impact, and like Warren still got a Denzel Daxon in front of him. Yeah. Uh, obviously, T. Edwards is going to be the starter. We don't even know if Warren, like, would you play Sed McConnell there over him? We saw that in the bowl game, like. Yeah. So I think there's a lot more in front of him than Matthew Bailey had. But let's be honest, we would have done this done this on July 31st last year. We sure would not have been saying Matthew no. Bailey. No.
1: Some other guys that like I I like the early enrollees to make an impact. We mentioned Canari Wilcher, um, Zach Toby could be one. If uh, you know, because he was at second string corner for a little bit. Uh, another guy I would put out there, Jojo Hayden. Hadn't heard much about him uh, during the spring, but that, that's a role you can play special teams early on. He's interesting. Can he be like a Kanena Odaluga type of guy? I don't know if anybody's making as, as big of an impact um, as those wide receivers, but it's just a name that we've heard enough that I think it's worth mentioning. here.
0: Yeah, Colin Dixon probably gets an honorable mention. Yes, yeah, that's a good call.
1: We should have mentioned him with the wide receivers, but it just feels like LZ probably the – the guy over him then you added Alex Kapka Jones but maybe maybe Colin Dixon we're not focusing enough on because I love I liked him in this
0: class too yeah he's really good tape coming out so uh, here's the thing like it was hard I'm glad that we had a lot of the same like if you're a fan and see like oh they had a lot of the same that means there's not a big list of guys you need to come out and play as a redshirt or true freshman like that is a sign of a growing up program, that you've got veterans in front of them who can go out there and, and you're not relying on the 2017 or 2018 offensive line. All
1: right, here's a fun question. Does a, does a true freshman in football, like Malik Elzey, does he make a bigger impact than Dre gibbs Lawhorn makes in basketball? Cross-sport question for you to leave this pod. Oh, God. I would probably set, like, it's basketball, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn and they need a guard, I would set Dre Gibbs Lawhorn expectations higher than any other freshman of football. And that's the way it's supposed to be because it's really hard to make an impact in football. The positions that's easiest are probably running back, wide receiver, defensive back, because if you're a good enough athlete and you're big enough, you can do those things. It's hard to be big enough to play offensive line, running back, quarterback, unless you're a five star guy, it's really hard. And even those guys, most of them, unless you're Trevor Lawrence, are going to have a hard time, Tua. Um, so, yeah, th- this is the sign of a healthier program that we're not mentioning 10 freshmen as starters as we were in 2017
0: and 2018. Kids grow up so fast, Jeremy. Um, someone is going to yell at us for not mentioning Caden Fagan, so let's just get that. No, I mean, he's, there's a lot of running backs in front of him. And I think he knows, I think Illinois knows, it's a steep learning curve, a steep adjustment, and you just don't need him to be a four-star prospect as a freshman.
1: Now, can he beat out Jordan Anderson? Maybe, but I, I just saw Jordan play pretty well in the spring. So I just, I'm not there yet. I think Caden could play if they needed to in, in a role because he's physically ready, that is for sure. Uh, but that's nice that if there's a chance you can redshirt a guy like that, um, that that's a sign of a, a healthier program, uh, a veteran program, unlike the last uh, regime where it was so, so underclassman heavy.
0: Yeah. And look, they're also very high on his long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, like So so we don't very say high. that trying to like, temper expectations for the stuff we've heard. They're exceptionally high on what he can be long-term. It's just you don't need long-term to be the 2023 season. Yep. If it is, and I don't think it will be, but if it is, great news for Illinois, better news for Caden Fagan. Otherwise, you can just kind of let the natural progression of guys happen.
1: If there wasn't Jordan Anderson, who plays a lot like him, and has kind of played at a higher high school level, I would say Caden Fagan. Like, he would have been in my conversation here. But I just, I I, I think Jordan Anderson kind of has
0: that role uh, if he wants it. All right. Anything else before we get out of here, Joey? What are you most looking forward to about training camp starting other than the obvious work things? Like, is there anything that you're like, you know what? I miss that this summer. Um,. Just availability. <laughs> it's
1: nice. Uh, just being able to talk to these people. Um, one of my favorite parts is kind of like, you know, because we get the major players in training camp. Like you're going to have the major stories, the major storylines. Obviously, Luke Altmaier, quarterbacks, and uh, the the competitions, all of that. When we get to like third week of September or August, and we get to like. Do some of the deeper dives into some of these players and get to know them a little bit more. That's one of the most fun parts. I mean, one of the funnest parts about this job is meeting all the people, right? Not only in this profession, but um, just with these teams. You get to meet players from all these different places, tell great stories, and uh, follow their careers. That's the most fun of watching nervous Sidney Brown in his first couple of interviews and then <laughs> I'm at his draft party, right? Like, and, and he's making the NFL and playing for the NFC champion. Like though that that's the fun part of this. So getting to know these guys a little bit better, like, you know, I've talked with Taz Nicholson, but I'm going to get to know him a lot better this year. Um, that's the thing. Like there's some different go-to media guys with like Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, Isaiah Williams, certainly our go-to media Tariq guys. Yeah, Yeah, Tariq Barnes. We're going to get to know Reggie Love a lot more, Josh McCray, a lot more. Um, You know, Seth Coleman doesn't love talking, but he's probably going to talk a little bit more. Gabe Ackes is going to talk a little bit more. So,
0: Dylan Rosiak is probably going to be in that conversation.
1: So, it's it's always fun to to get to know those guys a little bit more and what makes them tick and, and what they're like as humans.
0: Yeah. I think like now I'm going through like which deep cuts on that third week, second and a half week, third week. Hank Beatty? Like Hank Beatty, Ezekiel Holmes. Mm hmm. I think his story of uh, finally getting that and, and then he gets injured early on in the season and it sounds like it looked like it. It's pretty gnarly. And yep. to come back and we'll see what his full availability is for training camp. You start getting down that list, the, the Henry Boyers of the world. It's like, all right, now. That's, like, that's where you those and I see it's yeah. Dude, like, those are the fun stories. We don't mean to say, like, there's nothing, you know, we don't enjoy talking to Isaiah Williams or Keith Randolph or John because we very much do. But we were in India. It's like how much more? Like we've covered Isaiah every part. of You covered especially going back to him as a recruit. Like every part of this guy's story. Yeah. Um, Keith and Johnny, we've talked to so much. So fun guys to talk to. They give really good insight on, on what's going on. But you, training camps a lot about stories, uh, especially as you get into it. So so getting into that. Sean that Miller. Woods fun. Sean Miller. Sean Miller. Fun, man. Talk with. All right, man.
1: Uh, Joey Wagner. I appreciate you, man.
0: Appreciate it. See you on Thursday.
1: All right, everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other. Follow us wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. But everybody, have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Online Enquirer podcast.
0: Bye, everybody.